0: message it's not on Facebook anymore because my computer did an update and when it did that it turned on two microphones so last week's all last week's messages kind of had an echo
1: echo?
0: on them we had we had it again um so I'm learning that when the computer doesn't update I have to go make some more changes than I normally have to make but it is still available on our website you just have to kind of listen to it at a lower volume so that the echo doesn't drive you crazy But that's why I took it off of Facebook. So it is still available on the website. It's just not available on Facebook. Um, Because this is a long series, and there's no way to take the echo out of the recording that I know of. I'm sure somebody that's an expert in that field could do it, but I can't. But we're not experts. (laughs) We're not experts. That's not our area of expertise. Glory to God. Uh, But we're going to turn tonight to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, we're almost done with the healings in the book of Matthew, which means that we've handled a lot of the healings in uh, Mark and Luke, but we'll go back through Mark and Luke and make sure that we get Mark, Luke, and um, John, and uh, make sure that we get all the healings in the Gospels, and then we'll begin to look at healing uh, in the epistles next. Uh, so we're, we're going to be on this healing through the Bible Uh, For quite some time, but but we're getting close to at least being done with Matthew. So Matthew chapter 17, we're going to turn, we're going to look at, well, let me tell you what's happening here in Matthew. Uh, At the, uh, about halfway through Matthew 16, is where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter, and the disciples said, well, some people think that you're Eliza. Or Elijah, because it was it was prophesied that Elijah would be uh, would come back, or somebody similar to Elijah, and that was actually uh, John the Baptist. And uh, some said, "Well, you're a prophet," um, and other people said, "You're you're Jeremiah," um, you know, basically. And and uh, and then Jesus said, "But who do? You, but Peter, who do you say that I am?" And Peter said, "You are Christ the Messiah." And Jesus said, "Blessed are you, little rock, because on the big rock of the revelation of, Jesus, of who I am is what God's going to build His church on." So God did not. Build, God never intended to build His church on the apostle or the disciple Peter. What he was building the church on was the revelation that Peter had, which was Jesus is the Messiah. Now, right after that, Jesus says that if you have that uh revelation, if you have that understanding, let's look at it right here in sixteen eighteen seems how we're in seventeen. Uh, look right here in 17 or 16:17, chapter 16, verse 17 of Matthew. Let's just read this real quick.
1: And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven.
0: All right. So he didn't give, Jesus did not give only Peter the keys to the kingdom. He gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven to any person that has the revelation that Jesus is uh, the son of God. And with those keys, whatever you bind here on the earth is bound in heaven. Which means when sickness comes against you or when you're praying for somebody that has sickness, you can bind that sickness and command it to be broken off that person's life. And it has to obey because it's the key, Because we have that key to the kingdom. So he t- So that occurs. Now, that's not technically an actual healing taking place. Uh, in fact, the implication is that that doesn't have anything to do with healing. But when we understand our authority, when we understand that we have this revelation, then we have the keys, then, then that tells us that we have the power to deal with sickness. So that's what happens there. And then Jesus goes on to explain this power a little bit more. And, um, and then he begins to explain to them that he's going to have to die. He's going to have to die. And they kinda of get a little fussy about that. And then it says chapter seventeen, verse one, and it says, After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, both James and John, were Jesus's James and John are both Jesus' brother, believe it or not, and bringeth them up to the mountain apart. So so he goes immediately from telling the disciples, if you know who I am, you're going to obtain the keys of the kingdom. Then he takes his three closest disciples, and he goes up to the mountain of what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. He goes up on this mountain to pray, and he meets with the Father God, and he meets with uh, Elijah, and he meets with Moses. And they begin, and Moses and Elijah and the Father of God begin to talk to Jesus about what he's fixing to go through. They begin to talk to him about his crucifixion. They begin to talk to him about dying. They begin to talk to him about being separated from God. There's things that they tell him that Peter, James, and John are witness to. And then uh, Peter, James, and and then the Father of God says. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you see until after. Don't tell anybody about this event until after I'm risen. So Peter, James, and John had some inside information about what was about to happen, but they weren't allowed to tell anybody. All right. So, so they're having this crazy, wonderful experience with Jesus. They can't tell anybody. And uh, then they realize from this, because remember they they remember they Jesus asked, "Who do you say I am?" And some people say, "Well, some people believe that you're Elijah." And then he, they have this uh, they go and they have this experience with Jesus on the mountain, and Elijah is standing there with Jesus. So is Jesus Elijah? No. Uh, and, and and so uh, they Peter offers to build all three of them a temple. Well, now that's a mistake. Because that's what the pagans got. That's what the pagans do is they build temples to all the different people. So they're like, "Um, should we should we go back into pagan worship? And they're like, no, that's not what you're doing. And that's when they begin to explain to them what's about to happen. So they're having this incredible experience. Things are amazing. This is really cool. They come down from the mountain and look at what and they've been they've been told. Don't say anything. And uh, look at verse 10. Well, let's look at verse 9. All
1: right. And they came down from the mountain. Jesus charged them. or And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead.
0: So he said, how much you know right now they want? They are so excited to tell what God has done. They're like, oh, my gosh, we got to the mountain, and Jesus' face transformed, and his, rights, his clothes became white as gold, and they glittered, and, and the Father came down, and Moses came down, and Elijah came down. Like, they're all still alive people. Like, how much do you know? They want to tell everybody. And they, like, had a conference. We got rebuked because we were like, we worship you like the pagans, but that's beside the point. Like, they wanted to tell their experience, and as they're coming down the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anybody. There's going to be times that God's going to show you things, reveal things to you, and tell you things, and 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 he's going to say, no, don't say anything. That's okay. He did the same thing with his disciples. That's scriptural. All right. But that doesn't mean you don't talk about it at all. No, you talk about it with God. How much do you know when Peter, James, and John got Jesus by himself from that day forward, they were like, "Uh, Jesus, can we talk about the mountain? Can, Can we talk about the mountain?" I guarantee you they were like, Jesus, I'm about to bust at the seams. If I can't talk to anybody, I at least have to talk to you. All right. So let's keep watching. Let's keep going.
1: Verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must, come first, must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall, come, shall first come and restore all things.
0: Now, this gets a little confusing because I know when I was a baby Christian, I was like, who the heck is Elias? Like, what? Who is Elias? Elias is the Greek name for the Hebrew name Elijah. So don't let that mess you up. When you see Elias in the New Testament, it's referring to Elijah of the Old Testament. It's it's just the difference between the Greek and the Hebrew name. I think in, in Italian you're Miguel or something, I think is how they would say That's Michael. Spanish. Is that Spanish? I think it's Italian too. <laughs> I think it is. Anyway. But in different languages this it's pronounced differently. You see what I'm saying? All right. Many people you see. What you got? Absolutely. Correct. Well, they all heard it.
1: Well, they could talk to each other. They could about it, talk as long to each as other as
0: long as they were completely alone and nobody else could hear it.
1: And, they're, and they only have to, to wait to tell until, until Jesus is gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, when he says tell no man, in other words, what he's saying is, is when the three of you talk about it around you, when you three talk about it, make sure that no man can hear you. Because how much you know? A lot of times you can think that well, it's just me and so and so. It's just me. Like me, it could be just me and Jackie having a conversation. And we think we're being quiet, but there could be somebody around the corner that hears everything
1: or, or outside the hospital room door. Or
0: outside. There's actually you got to be real you got to be super careful in the Murphy courthouse. You got to be super careful in the Murphy courthouse because there's a spot in the Murphy courthouse where if you stand in that spot in the roundabout, in the middle of the roundabout, if you stand in a, in, that one, in a certain spot, everybody in the roundabout can hear you because of how the acoustics work, because of how the acoustics work. That's how a lot of, you know, they didn't used to have, they didn't have speakers in the old days. And so when the building was built, it was
1: amplification. They didn't used to have amplification. What did I say? You said speakers, but...
0: Speakers amplification. So when they used to build buildings, they took into consideration uh, how sound traveled. And that's why a lot of the buildings had domes and kind of odd shapes to them.
1: Everybody could hear you if you stood in a certain spot, so they didn't need amplification. Right,
0: because the sound would bounce. And that's why the walls were made with marble and stuff like that, is because it, it would amplify the sound. So so uh, So you got. So basically what they were saying is – basically what Jesus was saying was make sure that no man hears anything about this is really what they were saying. It's actually a good question. Uh, yes. So now let's keep going.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, Jesus oh, – yep, okay. Verse, verse 12.
0: 12. Yep. Oh, I didn't even finish reading. Oh, yeah, let's read verse 12.
1: Okay. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them.
0: Jesus liked to answer questions kind of indirectly. He liked to answer questions to, to force you to meditate and think about it. Why? Because we're supposed to meditate on the word day and night. Because there's more to what he's saying than just what he says. So he was saying, uh, Well, Elias already came, or Elijah already came, and nobody recognized him. Look at what happens in verse 13.
1: Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist.
0: Now, is Elijah or Elias actually John the Baptist? No. What, the, what it is, is John the Baptist carried the same anointing or the same mantle that Elijah had. It's about the spiritual anointing. It's about the spiritual um, commission, so to speak, uh, or assignment. John the Baptist had the same assignment that Elijah had. And he came, like Elijah came, like he was a prophet to God, and he came in the same manner of Elijah to prepare the people. And instead of the people preparing themselves for God, they killed him, which is what they did to Elijah. And so that, so, that's why, so that's why it says, uh, so, so, this is not, so this is where some people will say, well, that's reincarnation. You know, John the Baptist was Elijah reincarnated. No, <laughs> not at all. Elijah and John the Baptist just had the same call on their life, the same anointing, the same plan, the same purpose, just in a different time period. All right. So verse 14. So, yep.
1: Oh, when he rose from the dead.
0: That's what he's talking about. He said he, he, again, this is kind of an idiom type thing.
1: It, it says, "Wait, wait until after I'm crucified, buried, and I rise again, and then you can talk about this
0: yeah, it's not it's I understand what you're thinking because we're talking about because a lot of people when you say risen again, you think of the second coming of Christ. you oh, no. can tell about this it. This is when
1: he rose from the dead after three days. All
0: right basically, what he's saying is when he come back to life again right well it's <laughs> right. Well, again, there's that idiom. That's where that idiom is. That comes from their language. You have to. This is where. This is where you can't necessarily do a direct translation. translation. And so, um, this is where you have to understand that this is old English and being translated from Greek. And so, they can't take away the words that they use. And in the Greek, their um, prepositions and their verbs and things like that are directly connected to the main word. So it should be risen from the dead. Um, but really, what it, but, but the way it says risen again, really what it means when it says risen again, it means brought back to life or brought
1: alive. When he's going to be living again. When he's
0: brought alive from the dead. That would really be the technical translation. Is you can't talk to anybody until I'm brought to life from the dead.
1: Yeah, they again, probably, yeah. They probably translated, did a yeah. better translation yeah. job.
0: So that's again, it's just you know sometimes, they're, 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 and that's the that's the difference between the word for word translation. And the word-for-word and the word slash thought-for-thought uh, um, thought translation. Uh, so that, that's, it, that's where it comes together. And King James is word-for-word. Word. So that's, that's why. All right. Verse 14.
1: All right. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is lunatic, and sore vexed. Oftentimes he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour.
0: Glory to God. Glory to God. I just want to look something up real quick. I want to double check myself. All right. Just real quick. Give me just a second. Yep. The word lunatic uh, is another word for epileptic. Uh, it, it, it Actually, what it literally means is moonstruck. Um, and the reason that they would call them moonstruck is because oftentimes these seizures, these symptoms, spells where they would um, thrash about and foam at their mouth and gnash at the teeth and things like that, most of the time these episodes would get much worse at night, much worse. So they called it being moonstruck. And so he said here, I want you to look at a couple of things. It tells us a couple couple of things that tell us what's going on. He said, um, Lord, have mercy on us. For he is a lunatic, which means moonstruck, epileptic, and he is sore vexed. He is sore vexed. That sore vexed uh, means affected or afflicted. He, you know, he's, he's just having this problem again and again and again. This is just an ongoing issue. And he says in oft times he falls into the fire. So there's something driving him that when he has these seizures... He's near a fire. Or water. Or water. Um, and it, and, and uh, he said, and I brought them to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Notice the, notice the man is looking for a cure. There's time, and it says that the disciples could not cure him. In other words, the disciples could not get rid of the epileptic issue, the sickness. The sickness. They couldn't get rid of The sickness. At least that's the description that Matthew gives, and uh Jesus then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation! Now, how much do you know uh, the disciples did have faith, they had faith, but they were um uh they, they were, even though they had a measure of faith and they were operating in faith, because he, he took them to the disciples to get them healed, to get them cured, but yet when he got there, all of a sudden they were like, well, this sickness is beyond us. And there's a little, tr- there's a little, there's a little answer here as to why. Jesus called them faithless. In other words, they, they, they set their faith aside. It doesn't say they doubted. It says they were faithless. In other words, they chose to set their faith aside. In other words, they chose to not trust that God gave them the power to overcome this sickness. And perverse, which literally means, that word perverse literally means um, uh, to distort to turn aside, um, to oppose. In other words, remember Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he told them to heal the sick. Remember that? When he sent out the disciples, he said, go heal the sick. Did he say only heal minor ailments? Did he say heal the sick that you have the power to heal? No. He said heal the sick. There was no limitation on what sickness they could heal. And he also said And cast out demons. Which meant if the sickness was caused by a demon, they had the power to cast that demon out. Now, did Jesus say you could only cast out small demons? No. Did he put a limiter on that when he he sent the disciples out? No. So why could they not cure this child? Why could they not do that? Well, apparently they couldn't do it because they stepped back from their faith and, 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 and doubted what was, they, they basically said, I don't know. And they turned, when he said they were perverse, he basically told us why they were faithless. Because they chose to distort or turn aside from what Jesus told them to do. This was a decision that they made. And then he said, "How long shall I be with you?" Let me tell you something. I understand how Jesus felt in this moment. I did. I, I get. I get how Jesus feels in this moment, because Jesus, they had been walking with Jesus day and night, for the most, for the most part, for close to three years now. They've been with him. He sent them out to do the work. He told them to cure. He told them to cast out demons. And yet, here comes what looks like a hard case, and they threw up their hands and said, I'm sorry, we can't cure your kid. How much do you know that had to be discouraging to Jesus? Especially because he's now reached the point where Elijah and Moses have come and talked to him and said, You're fixing to die. So Jesus knows he's out of time. He's close to out of time, and yet the disciples cannot deal with a child that has a demon in it or a sickness in it. And he's like, I've told you you have power. I've told you you have authority. I've told you your words matter. You said you couldn't do it, so guess what? You couldn't do it. I told you that if you had faith, there wasn't anything that was impossible for you. So he's getting frustrated. How many times have you taught your children that you could do, they could do something and they look at you and say you can't do it, they couldn't do it. But yet you know they have the ability to do it. Isn't that frustrating? That's why I said I understand what this feels like. Because Pastor Mike and I have been teaching and, and preaching the word for 20 plus years now. And still people that we've had under us for years are still struggling with some of the same basic things. And that's nothing against anybody. I'm not belittling anybody. I still struggle in some areas. I still have weaknesses in some areas. But Jesus said, you know, just like I get frustrated and I'm like, oh Lord, how long do I have to preach this to you? How many times do I have to preach it to you? I assure you 100% my spiritual father feels the same way probably every time he talks to me. To be honest. Just to be honest. Because I'll get a revelation in the word and realize he's been preaching it for a long time. And I'll text him, I'll go, oh my goodness, did you know that? And he's like... Yes. And I'm like, okay, just kidding. I'm going back in the doghouse now. <laughs> Probably
1: a lot how, how your, your dad felt when uh, Rayma called and said, hey, can you help me change my tire?
0: Right. And <laughs> she's been driving on that rim for two, a mile and a half to two miles. Yeah, same thing. So, so he's like, come on, y'all. He's basically like, come on, let's get this together. Then when he gets done fussing at him, this is what he has to say. Well, let's, let's read what he does. Oh, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long must I suffer you? In other words, this suffer means how long do I have to be patient with you when I know I'm running out of time and you need to get this and you need to get this now? How much do you know? That's suffering. Um, and then he said, bring him hither to me. In other words, he looked, he's, he's ready to just straighten out his disciples but he's got this father and this child hanging off on the side that needs some help. So in his frustration, he said, Just bring the child. Just bring the child over here. So he brings you the, say so they bring the child. All right, let's keep reading.
1: And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour.
0: Now, what did Jesus do? He rebuked the devil and the devil departed. Now it says, In that same in that very hour which indicates that 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 demon that was causing the lunacy, in other words, Jesus said, disciples, if it's not a sickness, it's a devil. He, He cast out the devil, and it says, in that same hour, which means it didn't happen instantly, which means that that demon put up a fuss. That demon said, no, this has been my home for a while. I'm not leaving. It even bucked, yeah, it even bucked at Jesus. It even questioned Jesus. Listen, these demons will do this. These demons will do this. The times that we've dealt with demon manifestations, it's always taken us at least 45 minutes. Minimum. Now I say always now we had one that by the unction of the Holy Ghost, led by the Holy Ghost, I laid my hand on the man and I said, You foul spirit of addiction, release him and let him go, and that demon hauled off through that man and hit me in the arm. Now I didn't feel it. I didn't feel all I felt was a slight brush against my arm, that's all I felt. But I know the church heard something totally different. But I didn't feel it. And I just, I mean, I got, ooh, I, ha, ha, the spirit of faith come on me, and I said, whoa, I got me a demon. And that spirit of faith, and I said, you fell demon, you come out of him right now in the name of Jesus, and the church did it with us, and that spirit left, and boom, he was gone. Quick. What we didn't know is there was 18 more in there that we had to deal with the next day. That's what we didn't know, because we're still learning how to do this thing. Right. But we got the 18 out the next day, and it took every bit of 45 minutes and, to get the 18 to go.
1: And Tina didn't take that long.
0: Oh, no, that, no. One, that one didn't take that long either. That one went quickly and immediately also. So sometimes it's quick and immediate, but sometimes they're just it takes a little while. So obviously Jesus had to work with this one a little bit, because it happened within an hour. All right. All right, let's keep reading.
1: Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. And they waited to laugh for it. Oh,
0: not only did the demon depart, oh, yeah, it departed from him. Go ahead.
1: Right. (laughs) Then came the disciples to Jesus apart.
0: I was right to mess you up. (laughs) Hold on. Verse 18. It says the demon departed, and the child was cured. The child was cured. So this child did not have a sickness of epilepsy. This child had a demon that was causing epileptic symptoms. So when the demon left, the epileptic symptoms left. Now let's read.
1: Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you.
0: So Jesus didn't rebuke them for not having enough faith. Notice that. He didn't rebuke I In mean the verse, the couple verses above, he said, You, O faithless generation. So it kind of sounds like he's getting on them for not having enough faith. But really... Because then, But then he says, you faithless and perverse. In other words, you, you did something to twist your faith and get your faith not to work. Well, he didn't say you didn't have faith.
1: When they, when they tried to cast the demon out and he resisted, they got in doubt.
0: That's exactly and what as soon did. as you're in
1: doubt, you're lacking faith.
0: This demon, he, they went to cast this demon out, and that demon probably said something like, you ain't got the power, come back when you get it. And they probably went... Okay. Okay. Sorry, can't help you. Or that demon, the, or they, they commanded the sickness to quit. They commanded that demon to leave, and the child may have consented you to have convulsions. And 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 therefore they said, "Man, we're doing more harm than good. We 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 can't do this." Or that demon may have just not responded. May just not have responded at all. And they thought, "Wow." Remember, uh, remember Lester Summerall dealt with that one demon for six hours? Stood on, caused that man to stand on one leg with his tongue out and didn't say a word for six hours? How much, you know, that can cause you to have some unbelief. That can cause you to struggle a little bit. When you're not, you know, you're commanding that demon to answer some questions and it ain't answering some questions, and you're commanding that, devil, that demon to come out and it ain't coming out. Uh, that can cause you to have so we don 't know what happened, we just know that this demon obviously put up some type of resistance if he put up resistance to Satan, I mean to Jesus, he obviously put up resistance to the disciples exactly, and this demon threw up some type of resistance, and when this demon threw up that resistance, the disciples responded to the resistance and got over into doubt and fear. And into fear. Now, this is not hard to do.
1: No.
0: In the situations that we've been deal that we have dealt with, I mean, the- I'm telling you what. Every thought you don't even need the de- you don't even need the demon to say anything to get you into doubt. You don't, because all they had to do is not respond, and you're thinking, what am I doing wrong? What? J- Jesus, you said all we had to do was tell them to come out, and they ain't coming out, and no, something's wrong. So they don't have to put up much of a fit, to, much of a fuss, to get you into doubt and unbelief.
1: See, but Jesus told him here. He said, "If you just have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, just a tiny bit of faith." So basically, what he's saying is, when that little bit of fear or that little bit of doubt or unbelief came into you, you should have taken that thought captive.
0: That's and right. You should have
1: said, "Jesus said we can do it, so we're going to do it."
0: In fact, I'll tell you, when I was de- when we were dealing with one of our one of the demon situations that we were dealing with. Uh, I was getting into doubt and unbelief, and the Holy Spirit said, I heard the Holy Spirit say in my spirit, mustard seed. I heard in my spirit, mustard seed. And I knew immediately, I have enough faith to do this. I have enough faith to do this. So I just kept at it. We just kept at it. We just kept at it. Come out in the name of Jesus. 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 Holy Ghost, help us. Come out in the name. That's what the disciples should have done. I'm teaching you how to get somebody healed and set free. All right. So, let's keep... Now, look at verse 21.
1: All right. How be it? This kind goeth out not but by prayer and fasting.
0: Now, some people will read this and say, Oh, we're up against a demon. And uh, this is a tough demon to get out. So let me go pray and let me go fast. (laughs) You ain't got the time. That demon's not going to stand there and wait for you. That demon's going to say, see, I told you you didn't have the power. I'm out. No. You've got to stay. You've got to pray. And you've got to fast. And in other words, fasting, biblical fasting, is you've got to keep your body fasted to the Lord. You can't be involved in, listen, you can't, you can't overcome a murderous spirit or a religious spirit by fellowshipping with murderous TV shows. You understand what I'm saying? Murderous games. Why do you think these video games are all about killing and murdering? And because, if God, because if Satan can get you wrapped up into killing and murdering, then that's what you're feeding on then you're fellowshipping with the, with, the, with the God of death. And then you have no authority over him. You understand this? If, you're trying, if, you, if you struggle with addiction, or you've got some addiction in your life, and it doesn't even have to be a, what, what society considers a harmful addiction, like alcohol or drugs, but you've got some form of a die-hard addiction in your life, you're going to have a hard time, cast if you're even able to, of casting out a demon of addiction. Because the demons know you have the addiction, so while you're trying to cast out that demon of addiction, that demon of addiction is going to begin to talk to you and tell you, "Who are you to cast me out when you when you fellowship with me on the daily, or the weekly, or the monthly?" See, and what he's trying to do is he's trying to get you into doubt that you have the authority. The other reason that you have to pray and fast is because you have to, you have to pray, you have to study, you have to meditate on who you are in Christ. You have to know your position. You have to know that you're in Christed. You have to know that he's, been set of, that he's been set above these principalities, these powers, these demons, and that you are seated with him, and you have the same level of authority that he has because you're in him. You have to know that because these demons will convince you They'll do their very best to convince you that you don't have the power, that you don't have the authority. They'll try to convince you that you're a nobody, and they will call you out on your lies. You can say all day long, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but they know if you do or not. You can say, I don't have, you don't have a stronghold in me, but they can tell you if they do. They can call you out on it.
1: See, now, he's, he's saying that, that prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are both about crucifying the flesh. That's right. It's about putting the body under. See, if, if you get in fear and doubt and, and unbelief, the only way to, to counteract that is to, is to crucify the flesh. Because right. the fear and doubt, fear is going to grip you. And you have to be able to put that down.
0: That's right. And the only
1: way you're going to do that is if you practice that by praying and fasting.
0: And the only way you're going to put that down is by practicing taking every thought captive. Because when you're face to face with a demon manifestation, you're going to have to put these thoughts down immediately.
1: And this is why this is why these shows about demons and stuff like that that, that glorify their power are very poisonous to Christians Absolutely. because they're that's the, doing the opposite of praying and fasting. You're building up your belief in their power.
0: That's right. That's right. So he, so he, so basically Jesus. Basically, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you've not been spending enough time in the word. You've not been spending enough time putting your flesh down, disciples. You've not been spending enough time with the father, disciples. He was be because there were other people around. So he didn't want to call them out harshly. He was trying to cover them in love. And he basically, when he said, Uh, This type only comes out by prayer and fasting. He basically said, if you had been praying, if you had been fasting, this would not have been an issue for you. That's essentially what he was saying.
1: All right, let's keep reading. All right. Uh, Verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. Mm, Excuse me. And the third day he shall be raised again.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. We're done with this. Oh, we're done. Okay, that's what. So that's where that healing was. I'm sorry. I read the wrong one. Let's go look at another account of this in Mark chapter nine. Mark nine. Mark nine. This one we're going to verse twenty-nine. Mark nine. And we're going to pick up in verse. You said twenty-nine. Mark nine. Uh huh. Mark chapter nine. Right. And we're going to pick up in. Verse 14. Verse 14, okay. Verse 14. Now, again, if you go back and you read a little earlier in Mark, you'll find out that, that Mark also records uh, that they had just come off the mountain. He also records that if you know who Jesus is, you'll get the keys of the kingdom. He, he, he makes the same observations. So this gives us the state of mind of what's been happening with the disciples. And let's pick up in verse 14.
1: All right. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them.
0: So He came to the rest of them. He's got, Matt, he's got uh, Peter, James, and John with him, and he comes to the rest of his disciples, the other nine, plus all of the other ones that are following him.
1: And so he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them?
0: So here, here are the scribes. Now the scribes, the, the job of the, of the Jewish scribes were to write down and record the history of the church. That was their job. And what they're, so what they're supposed to be doing is they're supposed to be getting the history. So it would make sense that, he was, that they were questioning the disciples as to what has been going on. Like, like, hey, you've been out on the road a while. You've been traveling. What's been going on? What are you guys doing? But we know from our prior studies that the scribes got into accusing them, just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees did. So here Jesus wants to know, are you getting information so you can record it? Or are you coming against them? Are you looking for leverage to to accuse them and take them into prison? So when Jesus asked them, what question ye of them, he's, going, he's asking them, what are your motives? What are you asking them?
1: All right. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him.
0: Now, I want you to notice it says one of the multitude. One of the multitude, not one of the scribes. Right. But the scribes are there witnessing this moment. And the scribes at this point are in cahoots with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And so this is the kind of stuff that their ears peek up, perk up to. Oh, you said you could do all of this. And they said uh, you can't. I mean, you know, their ears perked up. Yeah.
1: So in verse 18. And what's, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples... Uh, that they should cast him out and and they could could not
0: now here we find out that this man gives us some details that he knew that his child had a spirit he knew that this was not just an ordinary sickness, he knew this was a demon sick a demon illness and demon issue
1: yep he called him a dumb spirit he
0: said he said he 's got my my child has this dumb spirit, not like an annoying spirit, but a, a spirit that caused his child to be dumb, to be mute, un, unable to speak. And this, and this demon grabs and I want you to notice this. This demon grabs a hold of this child's physical body and causes his physical body to thrash around and 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 lunges his child, this child's body into fires, into waters, into dangerous, deadly situations. And that this is a common occurrence.
1: All right, so, and they could not. Verse 19, he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him, him unto him, and when they saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming.
0: So we now know how this demon intimidates. They were bringing the child towards Jesus. The demon recognizes Jesus, and he immediately grabs a hold of this child, and he, and, and he tears the child. In other words...
1: Causing him a lot of pain. I would think.
0: When the, what this tearing is, is this demon is, is, is causing great pain and agony within the body within the physical body that's what this demon is doing it's 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 causing physical pain so this this demon is causing this child physical pain and when this tearing occurs the person that's that's going through this most of the time at least in our experience they'll get when this tearing occurs this the, the person will give out a very a scream that is very, it's a tortured scream. It's a painful scream. Uh, and it's the physical response to what the demon is doing. It's a natural physical response to what the demon is doing. And it says, so it says that he tears them, So this child is screaming in agony. Uh, he's fallen, he's fell to the ground. He's wallowing, which means he's, he's convulsing. He's having convulsions. And he's foaming at the mouth. How much you know, this this looks like a very intimidating situation. This looks like a very intimidating situation. But look what happens.
1: And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came into him or onto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us.
0: So here, so, so, and I want to point this out, I've pointed this out in prior teachings, that demons will grab a hold of children. Now, does that mean that this father did anything to cause this to occur? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we don't know the circumstances in which that allowed that child to have this demon. It doesn't give us that information. We can't make any assumptions on that. But I can tell you that the devil is out to kill you from the moment you're conceived in the womb. So if there's any access to, to a child for a demon to take a control, they will. They'll take it. And it doesn't mean that the parents did anything wrong necessarily. Um, uh, Brother Randy, if you've listened to his testimonies for any length of period of time, uh, Randall, when he was conceived... Uh, there was a problem with the conception and, the, and when when he was the embryo he wasn 't attached to the womb wall like he was supposed to be and so there was a lot of complications with the pregnancy and Then when he was born, uh, he nearly died multiple times uh, and and Randy and Patty were had to pray for him and and uh, the doctor uh, was was in the, you know Randy was in the room, and then the doctor said, "Get him out of here and Randy said doc." You do your part, I'll do my part. They pled for his life uh and and Randall came through. but the doctors said that he would be a vegetable all the days of his life. The doctor said he, that's even if he survived. He had to have a lot of special care and pick you stuff, and he had a lot of special care and and um and uh, over time uh You know, they're praying for him and praying in the spirit and trying to find out what happens, what was going on with him, what this sickness was. And uh, Brother Randy was pacing in the house. Little Randall uh, was in his carrier, his little car seat. Um, And uh, Randy was pacing. Patty was gone somewhere. She had gone to run errands, you know, what have you. And Randy, Randy was home with Randall. And he was pacing and praying and seeking the Lord what to do for Randall, how to handle this. Because Randall would have seizures, and they'd have to rush him to the ER. In fact, these seizures would happen so often that uh, they didn't even have to wait. When they came in, the the staff immediately went to work on Randall.
1: They recognized
0: him. They recognized him. They kind of had like a VIP card in the emergency room type status, and uh, they couldn't figure out medically why this was occurring, and this was happening all hours of the day and night and what have you, and so Brother Randy was pacing and praying and pacing and praying and pacing and praying, and uh, just, God, what's going on? What's going on? And all of a sudden, the Lord showed them that there was a demon that would grab a hold of little Randall as an infant and cause him to have these seizures. So Brother Randy, he started to have a seizure, and Brother Randy ran over there, grabbed a hold of him as a loving father would, and commanded that spirit to release him and let him go. And that spirit would leave him immediately, and the seizure would stop. So when Patty got home, he said, I know what's going on with Randall. told her what was going on. And so, but he understood his authority, he knew he had power, he knew he had might, he knew he had dominion, he knew what to do. So when these seizures would start, he'd take authority, but they kept coming back. And he couldn't, he just couldn't get over it. Well, he was preaching in one of Dad Hagen's meetings. And Patty's there on the front row, Randall's in his car seat, Randall starts to have a seizure. And he's preaching. He's preaching. So in the middle of his preaching, he comes off the platform, he goes over, he grabs baby Randall, under his breath, he commands the seizure to stop, hands him back to mama, goes right back to preaching. Nobody knew what he did, because he just, you know, just did it under his breath. Went right back to preaching. Now he had never said anything to Dad Hagan, never said what he was dealing with, kept it to himself, just kept going. And then later, I think it was that same meeting, later that night at the end of the night, all the ministers were in a room having fellowship with Dad Hagen, and everybody was just sitting around. And, you know, Brother Randy's just kind of, he's very meek, he's very humble, and he's off to the side. Patty's off to the side. They're just kind of watching and what have you. And all of a sudden, Dad Hagen asked for for, for them to bring him baby Randall. Now, he doesn't have a clue. Nobody's told him anything. Only Randy and Patty know what's going on. And so he he tells them to bring the baby over. So he brings the baby over, and Dad Hagen lays his hand on him and takes authority over that demon and commands that demon to never return. And from that day forward, Randall's never had another seizure. Never. And he's not a vegetable. Not at all. He's 30 years old. He he graduated a with his master's degree. Yeah. He works for an independent private jet company. He's one of their top pilots. He's licensed and certified. I think if I uh, he's licensed and certified in three different jets.
1: It's probably more than that.
0: At one t- I think at one time it was four. Th- one time it was five. He let one go. And then the fourth one's getting ready to expire, and he hadn't decided if he was going to keep that one or not. Now, let me explain this to you, because you're like, well, what's? I don't get it. I didn't know this. When you get a driver's license, you can drive any car out there. If you want to drive a motorcycle, you have to get a motorcycle's license. If you want to drive a, sub, a, a, a big a submarine, if you want to drive, if you want to drive a, a big truck, you've got to get a separate license. Okay? But that's it. Right? But when it comes to these jets and these, well, really it's any plane. doesn't matter if it's a propeller plane or a jet plane. Every single type of plane that you fly, you have to get a separate certification and license.
1: I believe ship's captains are that way too. You have to have difference for each ship.
0: So, so for him to have uh, license and certification in five different jet planes, aircraft, that's a big deal. And he got it like he got all five of them. He's, been, he's a flight instructor. He's, a flight, he's 30 years old. He's a flight instructor. He's the captain. He's the head. Of, he, he just now, he said, I'm done with that. He did the safety. He was the safety guy for, for, a, major cor- for a major private uh, jet company for I don't know how many years. I mean, this young man got it going on. He owns his own house. He's in the process of paying it off. I mean, he's got it going on. He's a far thing from a vegetable, and he's done every bit of it in Christ. Amen. Every bit of it in Christ. Let's keep... So so that's why I say these demons... I've almost forgot where we were. <laughs> these demons can get... A, now, how much you know, Brother Randy and Miss Patty weren't doing anything wrong. They were living for Jesus, but that devil brought an attack to their life to, to take them, them of out of the ministry yep. because God knew that uh, the call, or, I'm sorry, the devil knew the call that's on their life. And so if they could, get, if they could take little baby Randall to head, if these demons could take brother, little baby Randall out, out how much do you know, that, was, that had a very good uh, uh, possibility of shipwrecking their faith. But, what, but what, what it did is it made their faith stronger because they fought the fight, the good fight of faith. Yep. All right. Verse 23. Oh, good. He knows where we're at. Yep. Good.
1: Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief.
0: In other words, he said, yes, Lord. He said, in my heart, yes, I believe. He said, but I'm not going to lie. My head's having some problems. I'm not going to lie. My head's having some problems. But in my heart, I believe. And he said, Jesus, help me get past my head. I believe. Help me get past my head. You know, there's time, I don't think we prayed that prayer enough. I don't think we pray that prayer enough. I think we make excuses instead of praying that prayer.
1: When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, or I command thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Notice what In he a- said. In other words, he said, don't ever come back.
0: Don't ever come back. He told that spirit, don't ever come back. That's exactly what Dad Hagin did. Brother Randy tells it this way. He said, I didn't know you could tell demons not to ever come back. He said, now I tell him not to come back anymore. Since that day, he learned it. Because that demon never came back.
1: And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting.
0: In other words, he said, The only way you can get rid of these demons that will put up a fight is you've got to spend time with the Father ahead of time. And you've got to know, and you've got to be confident that you know who you are. You've got to be confident that these demons can't talk you out of what you know. You've got to be confident about what's going on. Now, by unction of the Holy Ghost, I need to explain this. Because this was a, in this particular, we got a lot of details in this particular healing about how this child was behaving. You cannot assume that some of these, you cannot automatically assume that this type of behavior is a demon. Your first assumption is it is a sickness and they need medical care. Your first assumption needs to be get this child, get this adult, get this person medical care. God gives us doctors for a reason. Brother Randy, Miss Patty, they got little brother, they got little Randall, brother Randall now. I call him brother Randall. <laughs> He's 30 years old. He's not baby anymore. They, but but at that time, they got baby Randall all the medical care they could possibly get him. Even when those seizures were still happening, and brother Randy, if Didn't brother Randy it? wasn't there, if Miss Patty was dealing with a the seizure, they would go. She'd rush him to the hospital and get him medical care.
1: Didn't they say they took him to the Mayo Clinic?
0: I don't remember. I, I don't I recall. But they took him to one of the premier hospitals in the area, and all of that. Uh, how, uh, and um, so, you, so, medical care comes first. The only way you can know that you're dealing with a demonic spirit is if the Father God reveals it to you. Is, that's the only way. So I am not, by any means, Pastor Mike's not saying, don't get medical care. Just assume mm-hmm. it's the devil and the demon and start casting it out in the name of Jesus. Do not do that. Unless you understand who you are, unless you know the power of God, unless the Holy Spirit says you're dealing with a demon like they did in, in little Randall's case, you assume that it's a medical sickness and you get the medical care. And we get that? Very important. Very important. All right. We're now gonna... I want you to notice in 26 that he said the spirit cried. Uh that means that and and rent him sore, which meant that was that tearing, that renting. When demons leave, they do one last act of torment. When they leave, they do one last act of torment. That's renting him sore. And uh when that happened, when that demon came out, this child fell back uh, like he was dead. He, in other words, it was slain in the spirit. And then Jesus reached out his hand. I mean, he, everybody thought he was dead. Jesus reached out the hand. The child got up. Let's go look at the last account of this in Luke. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And let's pick up in verse 22. All
1: right. Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Oh. No, that's not it.
0: No, that is it. Go ahead. We can go ahead and read that. This is what he's saying to his disciples. We can read this. It ain't going to hurt any.
1: Alright, the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders, and chief priests, and scribes, and be slain, and be raised the third day.
0: Who rejected him? No, no, wait a minute, who rejected him? It's the elders, the,
1: elders and the chief priests, and the scribes.
0: The elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. It wasn't every Jew. You need to understand that. Not every Jew rejected Jesus. It was the Jews in leadership, the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, the ones in the highest authority rejected him, and they influenced the people under them.
1: Yep, just like, just just like, like what our happens leaders today. do today.
0: Just like what happens in the church and in society today.
1: All right. So verse 23, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake. The same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged. If he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him. Shall the son of man be ashamed of when he shall come in his own glory, and in in his father's, and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. And it came to pass, about about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening.
0: Now, I want you to notice in verse 28, he says, And it came to pass about eight days. In Matthew's account, it said, Now six days had passed. Somebody will say, See, the Bible contradicts itself. No, Matthew gave you the exact day count, and uh, here Luke gives us the approximate day count. He said about eight days. So he was looking back, and he's going, "Mm, "It was somewhere around this time period."
1: And remember, these accounts
0: were written, even though they're written by the
1: people that were there, they were written like thirty years and more after they happened.
0: They were going, and honestly, you know, and they journaled what was happening at the time. They did have journals to go back to look to, and he just probably didn't journal the date, or Matthew did.
1: So, when some of the details are slightly different, it's because they're remembering stuff that happened a long time ago. Right. All right. Okay. And as he prayed, uh, prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his Mm
0: decease
1: which he should accomplish at Jerusalem.
0: See, they talked to him about how he was going to die.
1: But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from, Peter, from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Eliza's. Not knowing what he said.
0: Notice, notice in verse 32 it says, um, I'm sorry, verse 33. Right there at the beginning of verse 33 it says, And it came to pass as they departed from him. Uh, nope, that's not what I wanted. Do, 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 do. I was right. 32. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. There was a, there was a spiritual heaviness. This is that same spiritual heaviness that fell on Adam when God brought in Eve, this is the same spiritual heaviness that fell upon um, Abraham when they were fixing to, break, to uh, make a covenant. This is a spiritual heaviness that their flesh could not overcome, at least not right away, which is why they didn't see exactly the whole episode. Because it says that, uh, that they had a heavy sleep, and when they were awake... So there was a point while he was up on the mountain that they dozed off. And it could have been why they were waiting for God and while Jesus was waiting for God and Moses and Elijah. It could have been why they were waiting for God. Um, but Jesus stayed awake and got to do the meeting and they kind of came in on the tail end of the meeting. We don't know. But we do know that while, while on the Mount of Transfiguration, they fell asleep for at least a short period of time. And it was because of the spiritual weight. So let's pick back up here in verse 34.
1: While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud.
0: Check that out. They entered the cloud. This wasn't a dark storm cloud. This was the glory cloud, and the glory cloud enveloped them.
1: And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close, and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen.
0: So they followed the direction. Praise God, the disciples followed directions. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And it
1: came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met, met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him. And he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, that he foameth again, and and bruising him hard, heartily departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you, and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down, and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father.
0: All right, so we don't see a whole lot of difference in the other accounts. But what we see here, we do see a very de- we see one distinct difference in verse 42. And it says, as he was yet coming, in other words, as they were bringing the child, the devil, the devil threw this child down. This child, this devil. See how mean the devil is. Just grabbed this this sweet child and threw him down, and started causing him to have convulsions. You know, and we know what this looked like from the other things. But here, here, Luke is very clear. Luke says this was not a medical condition. Luke said the devil caused this child to do this, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. In other words. He got bold with that spirit. He got stern with that spirit. He spoke strongly. Jesus did not go over to this sweet little child and go, Now, Satan, you a foul devil. I need you to leave this sweet baby. You don't need to be tormenting him. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus walked over to where that child was. Where the demons throwing him on the ground and has him convert, convulsing and all of these other things. And Jesus boldly and sternly said, You foul spirit of sickness. You foul spirit of epilepsy. Whatever. He called it out by his behavior. He called that thing out. And he sternly, like a commander in the commanding office, said, you come out of him right now you've got to be strong you can't be weak you can't be mealy. you can't be like oh would you please no uh our sweet jesus walked in his authority our power our his might his dominion according to descriptions of that we've heard of jesus he probably had lightning shooting from his eyes type thing not like Crazy lightning bolts. But, you know, if you looked at his eyes, they probably, I'll give you this description. I have been taught my eyes do something kind of funky. I I think most people do it, but it's very evident in mine, apparently. But my eyes, the iris of my eyes changes according to my mood. They'll be, most of the time, they were very bright, pretty blue. But when I get mad, they turn gray. Now, there's light gray. But from what, now, I don't see it because I'm not looking in the mirror at the time. But I've had many people tell me they are a very angry gray. They are a uh. It's time for me to leave gray. I believe this is the type of. I believe this is the type of thing that was happening in Jesus' eye. Only it was more like lightning, like you better get out of here right now, type thing. Why he was angry with his demon. And now, now I want you to notice, it said, he, told it, he rebuked it, the unclean, he, so he called it an unclean spirit. He said, you foul, disgusting, unclean spirit, you release this boy, let him go, and don't you ever return. We learned that. Um, and that demon rent that child and left that child, as we know from the prior account, that child laid like a dead man. He looked like he was unconscious. He looked like he was done. Now, how much you know? If you're convulsing and, you know, he could have bitten his tongue, he could have injured his body. It said that this demon caused him bruises. I mean, this demon caused him all kinds of issues. Could have caused some, uh, if he's thrashing about real hard, could have caused some damage to the brain. Could have caused some issues. And, uh, but notice what it says. He told the unclean spirit to leave, and then he healed the child. So this, in this instance, healing did not automatically come. In this instant, that demon had left that child with medical sicknesses that Jesus then healed him from. Isn't that crazy? So He healed them. It says, "So uh, it says the unclean spirit." It says, "And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child." And delivered him back to his father. In other words, he gave the, he ba- he gave back to the father a perfectly whole, perfectly well child. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Well, these are some wonderful accounts of uh, that situation. Uh, we've got two more scripture things to go through. Then we'll be done with the book of Matthew. But we're going to hold off on those till next week because uh, the time. Uh, I know one of them is going to go extremely fast, uh, and the other one I think probably go fairly fast too. So we may actually start into the uh, into Mark and getting any um, healings in Mark that we have not already covered. So praise the Lord. We thank you uh, for, Father. Um, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we're learning so much about healing. I mean, just right there, and just in the book of Matthew, if you'll just go through and meditate on the healings that take place in the book of Matthew, man, you'll get healed. Amen. You'll get healed. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. So if you've got tithes or an offering, we're going to do that. Zach, if you'll come and prepare to serve the people, we'll pray over the offering. And uh, we'll be dismissed for the night.
1: All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for teaching us on your healing and helping us to understand our power and our authority in you, Lord, and and, and teaching us how not to doubt and not be in unbelief and fear. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you're, that this falls on good ground and that it will grow in our spirits and it will mature and it will it will grow into a mighty tree and produce seed and fruit for in, in our lives and the lives of those that that we come in contact with. It will become a towering tree beside still waters that, that will not leave us and will, help us and will help us to stand fast in Jesus' name against the devil. Uh, Lord, we, we just give unto your kingdom because you have given us so much. We can't possibly make up for it, but we, we give because we know that your, your, that your work needs to be done here on earth, and we give so that that work can be done. And we, we just love you, Lord, and we give joyfully and gratefully for all you've done for us. And, Lord, we just thank you for blessing this offering and making it go further than we could ever ask hope or thank, in Jesus' mighty name. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, or destroy. You will not take this word, and you, will not, you, you cannot affect our things or our health in Jesus' name, because we stand in the power of the tithers and, and with the authority of Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for seeds sowed, we thank you for our increase that comes to each and every person. Father, we give you the glory and the honor, Lord. Father, we do thank you. Father, we do honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Well glory to God.